Hello, loyal listener of Rage Against the Mainstream. Bill here, as always. To start off this season three batch of interviews that we have here, I got to sit down recently with Anthony Briscoe from Down North, a band from Seattle. Got to have a really good conversation with him, spanning all things, you know, groove, punk, funk, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Extremely good interview, really good guy to talk to. So yeah, without further ado, here he is. Welcoming to Rage Against the Mainstream for the first time, our new friend, Anthony Briscoe from the band Down North. How you doing today, man? I'm doing groovy and hip like. Absolutely, dude. That's awesome. Um, so you I guess I guess I under I know who you are, but mm-hmm. for those of our listeners here that don't know, who are you and what do you do? Well, I am the front man. That's what I call it. <laughs> uh, I do frontmanisms of uh, of the soul punk band called Down North. Nice. Now, what would you describe Down North's music as? Soul punk. Soul punk. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like when I first heard you guys. I had that, like I felt like a like a living color type vibe. Like you just had this mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Is this like 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 I don't want to say like hard rock because that's not what it is, but it's like it's like an aggressive, more aggressive type of rock with like 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 a groove like R and B type feel. Like it, it like the second mm-hmm. I heard it, I was like, here we go. I said, I can definitely fuck with this band now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically it's, it's it's traditional rock and roll. I mean, that that's where that's where rock and roll was, you know. Um, oh yeah, it still is. At, at the end of the day. You know, we're just carrying on the tradition of Chuck Berry and the the the, the tradition of Fat Domino and stuff like that. Nice. You know, we're just keeping it hard, keeping it wild. You know, I think music today is just so damn weak, man. It's it's so. Uh, I listen to the radio and I'm like, man, everybody sounds like they're just missing. And they you all know, sound the same. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just it just sounds so so weak. Man. It's like everybody there's nobody hollering. Everybody I call it Xanax music. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is so damn uh it's irritating to me. Oh yeah, I I definitely feel that. I mean like we mm-hmm. like uh, we we kinda span all genres here on the podcast. It's usually me and two other co hosts, mm-hmm. but um we usually span like all types of genres and stuff. And our one general consensus is throughout the whole show is basically like today's music. I mean, there's not really that many good bands anymore and at least no groundbreaking bands anymore. Mm-hmm. Like all, like all that kind of died out in like the, you know, like the nineties basically. And everything else is just kind of like cookie cutter now. But like I said, mm-hmm. until I heard you guys, I was like, what? Like, I, I didn't even realize there's bands that were doing this kind of stuff anymore. So you mentioned a couple names back there, like Chuck Berry and stuff like that. What got you into music? Well, I mean, I when I was young, uh, my mother, uh, you know, because I'm born and raised in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That's actually where I'm, I'm at right now, actually. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I've been here for uh, you know since this whole COVID thing started, but. Um, you know, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, if you're not in the military, you're working for the military. And if you ain't working for the military, you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we used to go to church to church 
And, you know, that's how we paid our, paid our rent. We would go to church to church and sing. Um, and we, we would get donations and stuff like that. So the earliest memory I remember is being a little kid. And um, I think I was like three years old. And I'm like looking at the uh, looking at this crowd of people and I'm supposed to sing like Jesus love me or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want to sing. I'm like, I sing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I remember not, I remember not saying anything, but I think the turning point for me where I was like, this is what I want to do was, um, it was one day we were at, um, my, 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 my uncle who's like really like, only like two years old, uh, older than me. Oh, okay. Uh, we were sitting, yeah, we were sitting down, um, downstairs, and the cable went out. Right now, he's you know watching the cartoon. Oh yeah. So, yeah, my 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 grandparents they came from uh, well they they used to you know be a lot of time in Germany. So you know they had like a whole bunch of you know VHS tapes, you know all these VHS tapes. So we was just going through them. So that had to go. Uh, through one, and it was um, Michael Jackson's "The Legend Continues" the, no. um, thing, nice. and I saw that and the Billy Jean performance, and I was like, I I wore that tape to the ground. That that was the <laughs> Billy Jean performance from the Motown thing, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Motown Twenty Five performance, and uh, yeah, I wore that tape to the ground. I knew every single move. Every single camera stare. I mean, I I wore that tape out. I knew everything about that thing. I knew the backstories. I knew who played before. I knew who played after. I knew the Conjurers. I mean, I knew everything about that <laughs> that, that whole performance. So, um, yeah, after watching that, and then, um, yeah, it's, it's been, ever since then, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And the rest is history. Nice. Well, definitely, um, you know, getting uh, an early influence from Michael Jackson. I mean, on mm-hmm. a musical and performance standpoint, I can't think of a better like role model or teacher mm-hmm. than M- also, MJ. What man, it, what it caused me to do was to look back on who inspired him, like the Jackie Wilsons and uh, you know the Fred Astaire's and the Gene Kelly's and the uh, Nicholas Brothers and. You know, um, you know, Cap Calloway and all stuff like that, James Brown. Those are the things that when I, um, you know, started with Mike, but then, you know, you start finding out what else he's uh, doing. What else What else did he get his stuff from? You know, like listening to Sam Cooke and, you know, all that stuff, you know, kind of formed what my vocal um, range was. But also, folk, um, you know, showed me how to sing. And I think that, um, and then growing up in church, then I understood soul music. Because uh, uh, yeah. I always tell people, like, you can't, like, you can, you can sing R&B. You, you can probably even sing the blues. But you ain't never shouted in the church. You don't know how to sing on soul music. Uh, so. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so, yeah. But um, like go, going back to the um, pulling Michael Jackson's influences or whatever, I feel like that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people now like miss out on. Like they always just kind of stop right there and don't search any further. And mm-hmm. I, I forget who it was at one point. I think it was like Leslie West from the band Mountain. 
he uh, he said, you know, if you if you like my guitar playing, then look into the guys that I looked up to that helped shape me mm-hmm. and then get your own mm-hmm. perspective about it. And I feel like a lot of people yeah. miss the mark on that a lot. Yeah, because I, I, I listen to, you know, other people who are fans of him, like, like, you know, weekend or Chris Brown and stuff like that. And like I said, they sound so weak. And so, uh, uh, their vocal, it has no power behind it. It's all really timid and, you know, uh, how can I put this without, uh, not trying to be PC, but I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> Hey, this is the truth tree here, man. Way. You, you don't, you don't yeah. have to be politically correct here. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying to be politically correct, but it's just, it's just, it's got no off to it. And, you know, like I was listening to the off the wall, um, the song off the wall, right? And yeah. If you go online, there is, you know, like the, there's a multi-track recording and stuff, right? And then people go and they mix those, so they may blend them in with the actual studio recording. So you, so they're like seamlessly, you hear the whole, the whole song till the tape stopped. Okay. Right? Instead of it fading out, and I'm telling you, like you can hear the different influences in the last part of that where you can see the where where what Quincy Jones was from uh, what Quincy Jones wanted to do and what Michael wanted to do and what Michael's vision was because like especially back in you know the uh the the late 70s black um um what's it called Uh, black Broadway was taking place Okay. A lot of uh, Broadway plays like um, uh, the Dream Girls coming out. You had uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, No Misbehaving, and uh, you had The Wiz, which you know Michael Jackson's movie, The Wiz. Oh yeah. So you can hear, you can hear in his voice. He was going to Studio uh, Fifty Four like every day, so you can hear in his voice those uh, Broadway riffs. Right in his in his him singing at the last part off the wall that they cut off, right? And you know when you hear young Michael, yeah, you know from the Jackson Five, and you hear the power of his voice, and you're like, oh, where did that power go? But then you hear these riffs that he was singing and off the and, and at the end of off the wall, and him like belting out the you know the. The, uh, and doing the, the, these riffs and stuff, man, it makes you like, okay, where did that go? Where did that Michael go? And it really was, you know, like, with Down North, I look at the type of music that we do. Like I said, I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. Oh, yeah. Right? But, I, but I also see what the limitations, to an extent, of them trying to move forward with the Thriller album, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, if you look at, they were trying to emulate a little bit of what a drum machine does, especially and with the sonicness of a drum machine. Yeah. So they saw it coming. They saw it coming, and especially with Prince was, was using more and more drum machines. And, you know, that's him always trying to compete with Prince. So when Billy Jean came out, you know, Quincy Jones was real famous, right? 
to if a drummer would come in, right? Yeah. And they would set up all their drum sets, their whole drum set and everything, right? And then he'd be like, Hey, why don't you go and um, you know, get something to eat and take a lunch right quick, you know, before we get started. Yeah. And then they'll have somebody take all of the toms away. <laughs> <laughs> and all you have is a kick, snare, and a hi hat and one crash, probably. Probably you have a one crash. Right? Yeah. And that's all that they have. And you notice in songs like Billy Jean and Off the Wall and um, Thriller, and even on the Bad album, there's uh, no that there's not that many fills, right? Which is totally different than what Stevie Wonder was doing. Stevie Wonder's music, man, it was still galore. It was it had the gospel chops that are going on and stuff like now. That was kind of took it out. And from then we had this kind of like. Uh, I'm ranting a little bit. My bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> all good, man. Kind of, this is awesome. Yeah, you 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 had this kind of uh, drum playing that is real limited, right? Mm-hmm. And where where people when you know you start hearing you you don't have drum fills, you have drum solos, and then t- first thing you take off the, you take off the beat, you simplify the beat, and the next thing you simplify the bass. But the next thing you simplify the guitar. Now there's no guitar solos in music anymore. Like it starts from what's popular and Billy Jean became the biggest album of all time. Right. Yeah. But what did it, what did it hurt? Because sonically they were trying to do something and they, it's not bad, but it's also to look at and say, okay, what can we, what was, what was good artistically that was before Thriller, but can we still do that sonically now? Can we do can 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 we do that uh, those fills and stuff like that? Because when I hear drums and stuff on a record nowadays, like an actual drum record, them drums sound so weak. They sound so. But then you know you play a track that has a drum machine behind it or a trap beat, and that thing you know is boom boom. It's just killing everybody's speakers. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know how can I get that to do that? That's what I want. You know and. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, if, you, if you're inspired by the music, you're not just inspired by what's going on in the music, but what's sonically going on, what, what's the possibilities of. Like, we're about, we got these new songs that we're working on, and we're about to do this, uh, this project that uh, we're going to be, like, releasing a song like a week or every other, uh, every other week, and we're going to make some covers and some originals and stuff like that. That's cool. And, yeah, there'll be a video and stuff with it. And uh, so we would start looking for people who who um, going to do the mixing. And, you know, I did like a couple of mixed things and a lot, a lot of people was like, I don't know. Like they were they were critical of what I was put together because it was like, oh, but it sounds this sounds the story or this sounds like this. And, you know, you don't want to have that much talk. So I'm like, no, that's what I do want. <laughs> It's like let like just sit back and let me do what I'm doing. Yeah, but because I, I listen, you know, and I feel like they're teaching they're teaching these students wrong on how to jump, how to mix drums in um, in these schools. Yeah, that you know these audio schools and these drums come out sound like tissue paper. Yep. You know, weak as hell, and you know I want some. I like if 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 rappers were sampling. Breakbeats, 
right? Mm-hmm. And a breakbeat was loud. Then what happened between then and there? Between yeah, exactly. Now and then? <laughs> you know, and they had less mics. <laughs> I mean, like if you, <laughs> even if you like listen to like uh, like Notorious B.I.G.'s like Ready to Die, mm-hmm. like the drums mm-hmm. on on that whole album, like they're ridiculous. And yeah, you know, or, like. Or, or even go to um, um, Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory. Yeah. Or, you know, or um, uh, the, the Midnight uh, with the Marauders. Both of those albums are just breakbeats. Yep. You know, and it's just sampling and breakbeats. And, you know, there's no really drum machine, but it's just, they're just sampling and mixing stuff together. And you're looking at it like, okay, if they were able to do that. And these drums sound huge. These drums sound big. Right, and they these had they had less mics in those days to pick up the drums. For the Beatles, we did a song with um, uh, um, uh, Ken Scott. Right, he was one of the engineers um, during Abbey Road days. Right, he mm-hmm. was engineering for uh, David Bowie, and he also did like all the Beatles solo albums. How nice! One or two of these ones, and their mic setup was one kick, one on the side. <laughs> and one on the top. Three mics. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And the shit was mono. So, and they got the drums to sound full as hell. Nasty fool. So, you got people who got like 30 mics to mic up drums and they sound like tissue paper. Yeah, exactly. Like, Come on, man. What's going on with that? That's not, that, don't, that don't make no sense to me. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, I feel like probably some of the best drum sounds in the world or like, you know, ever recorded, at least in my top couple is like, um, probably like Led Zeppelin two. The drum sound on that mm-hmm. is insane. Um, Metallica's black album. Like I, like I, I don't know how versed you are in the world of, uh, Metallica, oh, but, yeah. but yeah. Metallica's black album, like you listen to the drums in like the beginning of enter Sandman, like it, they're mm. huge. Like they're just the, like the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest recorded drums like ever. And I then, mean, even if you look at like even even modern modernly, look at the Black Keys. Yeah, use one kit, one mic for the for 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 recording a drum. One and, mic. And they <laughs> and their drums, like I think it's just like a kick and a snare and maybe a floor tom, right? It's it's something like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just wild. And you know, mm-hmm. I I do feel like you know as technology is increasing and you know as technology is getting better to do this kind of stuff it's almost like almost like we're working in reverse because things are getting so easy now that it's like well you know it is easier just to throw like 30 mics up and just pick the best couple mics that have picked up Mm -hmm. the best you know parts of the performance as opposed to like actually putting you know like you like you were saying a few mics out and actually worrying about the performance aspect of it and actually doing it right exactly exactly and then you know like and that's just the aspect of the recording music you know one of the things that that I have to struggle with with being the type of artist that that I am right where and again going back to um, you know, everybody's sounding weak right now is as a black man singing, right? If yeah. I sound soulful, that's not a story. And I think that that needs to leave too. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, I think that every song or everything doesn't have to have a story behind it. You know, there doesn't have to be a PR 
uh, hook behind every single release? What if it's just a, a good song? Exactly. Can't just be about the song. Like I was talking, we we, we went to this thing, the CMAs, that's the CMAs, CMJs, uh, a couple years ago, and it was a conference, and they were talking about um, YouTube. This is like when YouTube was like uh, first starting to get a lot of viral stuff, you know, and they did this presentation, and uh, they were like, yeah, here's some music. And it was like all this kid music, and they had like that uh, little, uh, what's that, that little cat you know, jumping video. Oh, yeah. Cat. Yeah, that just, and, and they were like, yeah, she just going viral. I was like, are you serious? Are you sure all these musicians in this damn room, right, this, this computer cat jumping, saying like, <laughs> You're happy that this went viral. And everybody in here who sits here and sweats to make music and you're telling me, you're, you're like, oh, this song, like, show me a song where somebody did an original song, right? Yeah. And it was super dope and it was not signed by a label, right? Mm-hmm. And it went viral. You show me that, then I'll, think, then I, then I, then I'll, I'll believe the power of the internet that had no label backing it just happened to go big and it's not a cover and show me that show me that then i'll then 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 i'll believe that that real that something can go viral but until then and until something goes like that and there's no money behind it no secret money no fake uh 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 fake promotion behind it you know, mm-hmm. where they where they're, they're manufacturing them. I don't want to hear it. Don't want to see it. Don't don't believe. I but don't show me this hype because I don't believe it's real. Because as soon as I uh, I start looking into stuff, I start seeing. Oh well, this person had the backing of this, or this person had the money of this, or this person uh, you know had the hired this PR firm, or this person did that. Like I don't trust it. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting way yeah. to think about it, man. But you're not wrong. Yeah, and, and but but the thing is, like, it always has to have a hook. You yeah. Know? Like, if a if a person is is black and they sing soul music, oh, that's not interesting. But you get a skinny white girl to do it, and oh my goodness, they're falling out over. Her. And I'm like, oh, hold on, man. <laughs> 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 hold on, dog. Like, okay, yeah, she she sounds great, and I'm taking away some of her power. But I know Kiki around the corner can out sing her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and outperform her, but she won't get the same play. Yeah, you know, and like we we take offense a little bit. I'm ranting again. My bad. It's all we good, take man. Offense a little bit when when people, and I'm glad you didn't do it. I'm I'm glad you didn't do it because I would have probably lit, lit your ass up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you didn't do it because uh, a lot of people call our stuff funk. Okay. I'm like, ain't no dang horns in here. Yeah. You can't. Ha- it's not horns, and you can't have funk music without horns. I love funk music, right? But yeah. ain't no horns in this, so <laughs> you can't call it that. It's not that. Where we can we're, we're rock and roll. You can call us. We call it soul punk. You know, that's something we we phrased because we was tired of hearing, you know, funk and stuff. Or you know, I like yeah, soul like punk, man. I like that. Yeah. It was like as soon as you, as soon as anybody sees a majority black band, oh, that's a funk band. Everyone <laughs> punch them in the throat. Be real. 
We be ready to punch you with a stone. So, <laughs> okay, I'm kind of ready. <laughs> it's all good. Well, now that, you know, in, in, like in the little bits of that rant there, you're talking about, you know, writing songs or whatever. How does the songwriting process work for down North? I mean, obviously you're not the only person in this band. You have uh Brandon, the bass yeah, no, player, no. Nick, the guitar player and Conrad playing drums. How does mm-hmm. that process work for you guys? Like, do they come in with complete songs? Do you just throw vocals on it or do you guys hash it out in a room? Like, how does this process work for you guys? Well, it, it, it depends. Like, There'll be sometimes like the the hardest thing for me, and it's gonna this is gonna turn to another rant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. How many songs do you know that uh, your your girl um, Whitney Houston wrote? Uh, you know it's funny that, that you bring this up. I watched uh, watched mm-hmm. a couple of videos, I, I, a couple of movies on Netflix. One was about mm-hmm. David Foster. And, man, uh, that dude is the most. Oh man, I think I seen that. That what? Man, that dude is a dick. Oh my <laughs> goodness, man! I was watching that thing. I was like, yo. Yeah, I was like, this I guy's was, fucking I asshole. Mind working with the dude, but oh my goodness, he is such like. Uh, he's like masturbating on that video. It's like, yeah. it's like, come on, man! Like you feeling yourself way too much. Hey, but that's the like, thing, man. They they uh. Right he, you know, he he had his own particular way of getting shit done, but you know, at the end of the day, he he made it work, and um, he, he made it he made it work, but he's just it's, it's, there's an arrogantness, yeah, that is smug and is also put off putting. There's no like, like humility in him at all. Exactly. Like first off, first off. How you gonna start your whole thing talking shit about Chuck Berry? After that, I didn't want to hear nothing else about him. I didn't want to hear nothing else. Yeah, I heard you that. Know, I was like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, as soon as he said that, turn off. I was already off already. I was like, I'm gonna fuck what he says after this. Fuck him. <laughs> like, I don't, get, I don't care what Chuck Berry. You don't put respect on his name. Like, I don't care. Nah, you don't talk about Chuck Berry like that. I'm just sorry. Like, you can be the coolest motherfucker. Nah, you just don't talk about Chuck Berry like that. Yeah, exactly. Just, You're not yeah. going to fuck around like, with yeah. that. Yeah, so it, <laughs> beginning with that, yeah, that dude, yeah. As soon as I, I didn't even finish watching it. <laughs> I, after I, I got to a certain point, I was like, I can't watch this shit no more. This didn't get on my damn nerves. That's what a bitch slapping ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. They, then I watched um the other one with Whitney's manager, um, Clive Davis. Clive Davis. There we go. Yeah. And like watching those two movies and like actually like finding out like more stuff about Whitney Houston, it was just like, damn. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she was a good singer, but she wasn't much of a songwriter at all. Yeah, most. But that's the thing, like back in those days, especially like Motown days, the, there was this, there was the singers, and then there was the writer. Yeah. And you know, like uh, uh, Carol King, you know, she's a great songwriter, great, 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 great songwriter. She wrote Natural Woman, and you know, all these hit songs, and she's a great singer too. But sometimes the two didn't always marry, or like. Uh, Ray Charles and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, he he famously said he hates writing lyrics. He can't stand it. You know, it, it's it, it, it's sometimes it becomes too much, and the pressure of it uh, becomes too much. Not everybody could be, you know, not everybody could be a uh, 
you know, like a Lionel Richie or a Michael Jackson or a Quincy Jones. Yeah. But even even when it comes to Michael, you can listen to what the stuff that he puts in is not is not super. Uh, you know, he's not he's not no Bob Dylan. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and and but that's the thing. Like back in the day, it wasn't until like the seventies where you had a lot of singer-songwriters. Singer-songwriters became big in the 70s, right? Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, Aretha Franklin and, and all, like I said, all the Motown folks, they didn't write their own songs, you know? Um, so I understand about having people to help write or and stuff like that. For me, uh, my little sister, she passed away about seven years ago, but she used to help me do a lot of the writing. She was, I mean, she was phenomenal with writing. And, you know, since then, I've been struggling to write. I've been looking for, you know, other people who I can collab and stuff with. And, you know, most of all the, except for um, a song that we have called Danger and Running and A Part of Tonight. Um, and let me see, Running, Running's out yet. Tonight's not out yet but we perform it all the time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, danger. I don't even sing that song anymore. So, <laughs> but I, I, I lyric wise, I wrote um, those, uh, those songs and, you know, came up with the melody, but it was all after. Cause I started out in hip hop. Okay. And making hip hop beats and I've been around hip hop heads. So I have to start with the beat. I can't like the, the groove has to hit me. And make you be like, yeah, okay, yeah. And then sometimes the song just bleh, and it comes all out. Exactly. It's, you it's you have to feel it yeah. first. Yeah. But then sometimes the songs would take three, four, five years to come out. Yeah. You know, and the guys get frustrated with me. You know, because they're, <laughs> you know, they, they, they write and they can make grooves like that. You know, they can make full songs like that. I mean, we got, we got, Hell of songs that need lyrics too, and it's just it's it doesn't come easy to me, you know. Um, yeah, I struggle with it, and it's just uh, as a songwriter um, or, or a lyricist, it doesn't come out me um, fluently. I, you know, I I want to take classes and stuff like that for it to come a lot more easier. But it, there's just a natural talent, and it's it's just like with me a mechanic. I don't fuck with my car. <laughs> I'm a, if I something happens with my car, I know how to put oil in the car. I know how to do all the simple stuff with with the car. But you ask me to like fix the, you know, change the alternator, change the, you know, change anything to change the transmission. No, that's, that's not what I do, bro. Uh, I get, I go to, I pay somebody else good money who they feel they worth, right, <laughs> to fix this problem. That I have, and I have no problem with getting with somebody who's a great songwriter who can put stuff together and make hits. And I, I see all these people shaming, um, like Beyonce and all these other people for the ghostwriters and, and, and stuff. And, yeah, for for having ghostwriters or or just even just having a whole bunch of writers in a room to write a song. And I'm like, yo, if the song is good, I'll give, I don't care. Yeah, you know, exactly. If, if it took twenty people to write a dope song, fine. If that would took one person to write a song, fine. You know that person was dope. This, these ten people were dope. At the end of the day, we you're still happy you listened to the song, right? Exactly. That that shows, you know, 
that this person, you know, doesn't have create, you know, I was like, then the, the corporation wrote, and that's, that's, that's the name of the um, songwriting group for the Jackson. Okay. Right? The Jackson five. Yeah. There is, um, Barry Gordy, we formed was called the corporation. And it was just uh, a room full of writers writing the, the Jackson five album. And you, you can't tell me you don't turn on the Jackson five al- album and don't feel happy. Uh, exactly. So, you know, yeah. I always tell people missing with that bull. It's how many people wrote the wrote the Bible. You still using that? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many revisions saying, later? Yeah. Like how? How? Else you would say, ah, but you know, one person, you know, wrote Moby Dick. Well, then you know, how many people wrote the Bible? We still reading that too. So leave me alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, music's supposed to make you happy. I don't care how many people, or how many things, or what it takes to, to to make that feeling, but it's just supposed to make that. And you know, I I I try to collab with friends. Um, you know, down north, we, we we go to jam sessions and just have a good time, and we just try to write. You know, and sometimes, well, you know, especially like with COVID and stuff like that. You know, we do a lot of stuff in you know the bedroom writing and stuff like that but you know it it comes from multiple places i think that um at the end of the day uh, it's all about the emotion if i don't feel the emotions on the song i can't i can't perform the song i can't write the song i can't do anything with it yeah you have no attachment yeah and i think like it's crazy because like you will be sitting down and I asked the guy, so what do you think this what do you think this beat feels like? And they're like, It's some notes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I have no attachment to this. Because and, it, and sometimes they do have they do have a feeling what they what they what they feel it could be. But if I'm not feeling the same thing, they didn't know it's not gonna move forward, they didn't wait for me to say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um <laughs> Well, in in the about section on your guys' website, um, you know, it says that you're raised on James Brown and Sam Cooke and the emotional impact, uh, you know, with the vocal stylings of Prince and, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Jackson and everything. You put all those guys into, you know, one category and they were excellent showmen. Now, mm-hmm. the first thing I noticed when I put uh, when I put on one of your guys' videos and I've I've watched a few of the live videos, too is just mm-hmm. how much of a showman and a front man you actually are. Now, mm-hmm. it also says that you have uh that you're trained in ballet. How does mm-hmm. that go into like incorporating that into like your uh like your stage presence per se? Well, see, what happened was when I was young and I think I was like um let's say like about 4 or 5 years old and um, you know, my, my father, um, before my mom and them got divorced, uh, he was big in the wrestling. Okay. Big in the wrestling. Like he, uh, and he was like, you know, captain of the wrestling team and everything. And then he would watch, you know, the TV wrestling. I mean, he was avid on that stuff. Right. <laughs> so, you know, seeing that, that the TV stuff, you know, played a, played a role with me. And then, um, it came to doing sports and, you know, I didn't like sports that much. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, sports, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, so we went to the YMCA at the time. 
Okay. And um, and the white, and then there was like there was, I guess they were splitting up where you're supposed to go. And my mom sent me there to be on the basketball team. No, no, not that. It's a football team. Okay. Right? And it was this cute little girl, right? <laughs> so <laughs> there's always a girl. I was to go where she, yeah, I was trying to go where she was going, right? So all the boys were going over there, and then I'll, I'm just walking over where the girl is. She's going to that group. I'm going with that group, right? <laughs> and then uh, so they're all standing in line. You know, getting ready, and they're they're do, doing the dance stuff. And I'm just, you know, not paying attention and not really caring. I'm just falling and doing what she's doing. I'm mimicking what she's doing. So I'm, you know, they're doing the dance, and, and the teacher's like, "Oh, you know, you're natural at this. Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. This is your first day. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, I'm just not paying attention. I'm just following what the girls are because that's what the girls are. So my mom comes in and she's frantic. You know, uh, and and she's looking for me because I'm not at the boys. Because, uh, like, you go from um, the school to, and then you get into the bus to go to the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, right? okay. Okay. Yeah, so so I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's freaking out. You know, she's a young mom. So she's freaking out, and she's like, where's my son? You were supposed to pick my son. She's like, well, he came into the bus. We have him live on the bus. And like, all right. So then she went to the basketball practice. I mean, football practice. I'm not there. I'm not outside. You know, what happened to him? So they, now they look around. They hear me on the intercom. And then, you know, the the dance teachers, they, she hears, um, uh, you know, Anthony Briscoe, you know, looking for Anthony Briscoe. Has anybody seen Anthony Briscoe? And, and the bitch is like, is your name Anthony Briscoe? I was like, yeah, my name is Anthony So then, you know, I get there. My mom's like, what's going on? What are you doing? I was like, I was just following the girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was following her. You know, she was like, well, I was like, uh, you know, I was supposed to, you're supposed to be in the basketball thing. I mean, football. I was like, I don't want to be in football, you know, and I was already breakdancing and dancing and stuff like that. Back then, you know, I was watching Michael Jackson and stuff, so. Yeah, you already you had, know, like, the had natural to, thing about it. Yeah, and I had, so I had to beg my mom and my dad to let me be in ballet. My mom didn't care, right? But yeah. she had a stipulation. She was like, if you're going to be in ballet, then you have to get some type of, you have to you know, be some type of self-defense. So they had, at the YMCA, they also had hot keto classes. Oh, okay. So I had, so at the same time, I, I couldn't do one without the other. I had to keep both. And she was like, if you're going to do ballet, you're going to learn to fight. <laughs> 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 and she was right because, you know, when you got all those girls in, in, in the room and, you know, they got boyfriends and you the only guy in there, everybody, all those dudes are getting you know, upset and stuff like that. Think you hitting on the girls and think you going out with the girls, which I was. Yeah, it's just like yeah, a, yeah and <laughs> it's like shoot fish in the barrel, brother. Shoot fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <So>, no regrets. <laughs> That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the 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 performance of it, um, it's the way you carry yourself. You know, and that's one thing that. 
I think distinguishes me from other people who dig Michael Jackson music or even Prince music is uh, and try you know just that performance stuff. And then both of them, like the Jacksons, learned dance from Debbie Allen and the Nicholas Brothers. Yeah. So yeah, so them knowing ballet and you know how to how to keep you know how to stand and and all that other stuff and how to spin correctly, you know, that is from um, from ballet moves. And if you look at James Brown and the mashed potatoes, right. Hmm. And, um, doing, doing the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the get down step, that's not but a part of a ready, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I, I see other dancers and, you know, well, to me, I look at, it, it seems too choreographed. It seems to, put together right there's no like with michael he was able to jump in do do the choreographed movements and jump out do a little thing himself and then jump right back in back into place right but you look at somebody like britney spears and every single move is choreographed they can't jump out they you know every single move is the same you know yep and even with justin timberlake there's no there's no soloing uh, by himself while the dancers are going. Everything is choreographed. You know, which is and, kind of uh, like disheartening too, because he is a good dancer, also. Yeah, he's a great dancer, but that's the thing. Like, there's being a dancer and there's being able to move. Yeah. And in ballet, I was able to learn the structures of actual dancing, but I was also taught, you know, when it came to how to move um, to make it look right. Because like, you know, having to, one thing that you learn in dance is you have to exaggerate every move, but how to exaggerate without looking like you're exaggerating. Okay. Make it look natural. Yeah. And exactly, exactly. And, you know, today I, you know, I was just watching a couple of videos and I mean, Oh, I hate TikTok. As a dancer, (laughs) I just hate TikTok. I can't stand TikTok. I mean, I, I, my, my, my manager was like, hey, you know, why don't you do some TikTok videos and some dance and stuff? I was like, uh, uh, okay, I'll try. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't, I couldn't get my leg, I couldn't do the little hand thing they do. It's like, if they take five moves and they put it whatever damn dance. <laughs> <laughs> and they all look like cheerleader moves. Yeah. All look like cheerleader moves. I can't stand it. Or, or you have the total opposite, and everybody's breakdance. And not breakdance; they're doing robots and pop locking. <laughs> like nobody is. There's other than Michael did other stuff other than pop locking, you know. And b boys, there was b boying other than you know robot and pop locking. There was other parts of b boying, you know. There's windmills and there's, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that you know make dance dance you know yeah exactly yeah people don't move their body and then almost almost to an extent if you're not dancing like that then people shame you into it i'm like man what doesn't make me more happier the person who can't dance dance well it's a form of expression i mean that's like saying you know like uh i don't know like someone's painting sucks and it's just like like what are you what are you talking about yeah 
But I'm like, I, but the thing is, like, I the reason why I don't like the TikTok stuff because it is, um, what's it when when a person I'm not drone? Well, no, yeah, drone mentality. You know, yeah, it's almost like a it's paint how, by numbers. Yeah, you know, do this this little thing, and it'll go viral. Do copy the same dance with it'll go viral. And it reminds me of the same thing when it goes to the YouTube stuff. Yep. You do this quirky little cover song, and now they're covering dances. And I'm like, no, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, in today's no, world, all you really got to do is just cover a Taylor Swift song, and then you'll be viral. Yeah. <laughs> like, one of the, I, was, I was in one of these classes about uh, TikTok, and the dude was like, yeah, why don't you go in and go in under the favorite sounds and make a song under the favorite sound, uh, you know, a cover song, a 15 second long cover song of one of, of each one. It'll go viral that way. I was like, I can't with you. Uh, like, the cover songs that we're doing for this thing that we're coming up, yeah. I strategically picked them. Now, right? are you I able think- to go into any kind of detail on what these songs are or no? Yeah, yeah, I can go into a little detail. All right, because my one question uh, was going to be if you guys could cover any song, what would it be? But if you have a couple coming out. Oh yeah, we got we got a couple coming out, and and you know they're they're they're, they're strategically um, picked for for message. They're strategically picked for uh, that that fits us. You know that fits how what what we do and how we do it, the aggressiveness that we do. Um, I think the first one um, is going to be uh, is either is one or two. One's going to be a Prince cover. And another one's a Genesis cover. Oh, nice! Yeah, um, and then you know it's, it's kind of like you know the the the, the thing about it is um, I don't want to pick songs where everybody's doing. Yeah, like if we do Kiss, I'll shoot myself. <laughs> if we do Prince's Kiss, I will I will put a gun. In my mouth and pull that damn trigger. <laughs> or you know, like when doves cry, or pretty much any. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> name any well, of the I mean, radio do, songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like you know, there's only one song. And that's because you know that we've done it for so many years that you might as well go ahead and do it if you perform it for so so many years. And that's a Beatles song that we do, you know, and that's one that everybody does. So I was like, well, Michael did it, and if Michael did it, then I'm going to do it like Michael did it. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you know, we got, we got a bunch of those coming out, um, and uh, we're just going to kind of like, you know, spread our music and stuff out there, get it out there the best way that we can. But I don't know, man. It's, it's disheartening with what's happening in the music today yep. to move forward, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that with this quarantine and stuff that maybe some dope musicians come out who've been practicing because yeah, the music sounds like it does after the quarantine thing. And these people ain't been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. I, I guess at this point in time, like after all this is said and done, I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think things are going to be back to normal, at least for a couple of years. But 
when it I, does, I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it will, um, to a point. You know, some things needed to change. Some industries needed to die. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 you know that was just inevitable to happen, and this just sped up the process. But I also feel like this showed the world that how much things are integrated. Yeah. You know, like you know, having concerts, having large gatherings of certain things. How many people were affected by these industries dying? Yeah. You know, and um, you know, just just little things like that. You know, we we take we took them for granted, and now you've been America has been I want to say seven six or seven months without live music and look what's happening in the streets yeah <laughs> that release has to come out oh absolutely has to come out you know i mean i think i read live nation read or put out an article that says that they don't feel like uh we're gonna be able to have like full-blown like concerts again until like 2022 yeah like that's insane yeah. and and i try to figure out like you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or nothing like that, but I try to figure out like if you got money, mm-hmm. right? Can you speed up the pod process on certain things, right? Like yeah. if it takes about a year to make a to make a uh, a vaccine for something, right? Yeah, there's not mostly because the, it takes a year because there's not enough money to make the vaccine. I'm yeah, sure like the rest research of the world and everything. We'll say we'll put a trillion dollars on who can put up twenty foot this vaccine right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, but so. well, I I mean, normally I usually ask like, do you have any advice or tips for people trying to get into the music industry? But that is kind of like a moot point right now, anyway. Because uh, right now it's like, well, I mean. You know, well, whatever. Well, I mean, what I would say, what I would say, and it's always, uh, I always say for, for this right now, but you should be preparing. If you're in the music industry right now, you should be preparing and you want to be in the, for when this, when things get back to some type of normal. You should be preparing right now and you should be laying down the, the, the grassroots you know, if you are using social media, figure out how to get your name out there by your own means. And also sit out and um, learn out how to book yourself. I mean, the thing, the reason why we have the manager that we have, the reason why we have the, uh, uh, you know, the booking agency that we have is because we said from the jump, we just have to do it. It's never, ever, 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 ever going to be the right time to yeah. do something. It's always going to be, oh, I want to do this, you know, but I got to have this, this, and this first. It's never going to be the right time. You're never going to get done because it's never going to be a perfect time. You just have to do it. You just have to say, okay, um, I'm picking this day. You put it on the calendar, and you do it. You do it on that day. If that day doesn't, if that day passes, you failed. You have to look at that and say, I'm starting on this day, and on this day you do it by any means necessary. 
and it will figure itself out. That's inspiring. Yeah, it will it will figure itself out. There's never been a person who has tried to do something, right, and it has failed them. If they keep persistently trying to do it, right, yep. it will work itself out no matter what it is, good or bad. And that's the crazy thing about it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's crazy that, thing. that I feel like I feel like that should be on like a t-shirt or something. Or like a poster. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I I only got a couple more questions here left for you. Um, one of them, man, I do I do want to ask, what's up with the pink pants? <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I, I I'm I'm not a hater. I do like them. I just I just want to know the uh-huh. backstory behind them. So um, originally, um, I was wearing just regular baggy pants, right? And like I said, I was in ballet. And I was watching a video of us doing some things, and I was like, man, I do not like how these spins look. I don't like how I'm doing this dance move, and you can't see what my feet or my legs are doing. So at first I was just wearing, this was like, you know, everybody was wearing regular, uh, you know, baggy jeans still, and I started wearing skinny jeans, Right? So then I watched the thing with skinny jeans, regular blue jeans, skinny jeans, and I was like, okay, during the day it looks fine, but at night I can't really see nothing, and especially what irks me a lot, and every show, I mean, I'm yelling at the daggone um, light guy, is they keep forgetting that black folks are on the daggone stage. (laughs) (laughs) And they put blue lights on the stage and you can't see us, right? So that became uh, a, a pet peeve of mine, right? So then I saw that and I was like, okay, well, um, you know, you can't see you can't see the movements at night if I'm wearing blue jeans, right? Mm-hmm. So I started wearing red jeans first, right? I got these red jeans at the store, right? And uh, we were we did a show before um, Bumper Shoot. It's a big festival in Seattle. Okay. And I ripped them. And I ripped them. And it was like three days beforehand, um, before we did uh, the Bumper Shoot show. Oh shit! Right, which was a, was a huge event, a huge event. And so I had these red pants that you know I was like all excited to wear, and now I couldn't find. Uh, I couldn't find any red pants at all. So then Conrad, we're at the store, right? And Conrad sees this Superman jumpsuit. And he's like, oh, these are going to be awesome. They're going to be awesome. I was like, okay, word, word, yeah, because he always wears a Superman shirt. Yeah. Cool. He wears the, the Superman pajamas with the cape and everything. Okay, that'll be awesome. And then behind his back, he says, yeah, we couldn't find these, uh, the, 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 those red ones, but what about these? <laughs> he's like, I dare you to wear these. I was like, ah, oh, you dare me, huh? So I'll put them on, right? And I'm just walking around, right, with the pink pants on, right? And I'm like, these don't, these, these don't feel too bad, right? Yeah. And then I had, um, and then there's a shirt that I used to have, um, and I think you can still find it online, the first day I wore the pink pants. And as um, your girlfriend loves me, you have like this pink, big pink, uh, logo in a minute. It was hot pink, so it just went together. 
And I was like, hmm, all right, we'll put all this together. And I put the bow tie on and everything with it. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a look. And then, uh, you know, I, I just did it as a, as a dare. So then we got a write-up on the Seattle uh, Stranger, which is, you know, at the time it was hard for us to get any news. Yeah. And they said I was peacocking. So I was like, well, there you go. I got I got press for it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, so after that, after that, I bought like seven pairs. <laughs> and now it's become like your thing. That's my thing. This is like your my white glove. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say this is your white glove. <laughs> yeah, it's my white glove. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously you guys are like a really animated band on stage and whatnot. What do you guys enjoy doing more? Uh, being in the studio and recording the songs or being out there performing them? I love performing, but I'm a studio head. Yeah. Like, I love us sitting down and creating stuff. Like, if we have the ability to do it like I want us to do it because of certain, you know, we're doing all this with, our own money. There's no label. There's no nothing. I would love for a label to come in and pay these, pay some of these bills. But, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're doing it all ourselves. And, you know, Conrad, he has kids, you know, our drummer. Yeah. So he has certain obligations and stuff like that. And, you know, he comes in when he can. And, you know, when we get together, I try to, you know, it was crazy. We was at, we, we was at the studio in Seattle Orbit Studios, um, and the the engineer, the guy who owned the place, he was like, "Man, you're a workhorse," because <laughs> I was. We did uh, ten songs, right, in four hours. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah, and my and 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 then he was like, you know, that's including the setting up of the drum. That's awesome. <laughs> which, took, which took two, right? And he was like, dude. You work these guys too hard. I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was, he was like, "I was like, you do three takes." Because remember, remember, um, Ken Scott. He was yeah. talking about about David Bowie. He was like, "David Bowie, if you take more than three takes, you burn." <laughs> you know. So you know, I sometimes I'd be hearing stories of like YouTube taking two hundred some takes for a song, or you know, even David Foster saying like he wants a singer to do it like you know twenty seven times. Like, get the fuck away with that. You can't get it on the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly i've always felt like i mean I, i'm a musician also i you know i've been in mm-hmm. studios and done that whole thing i've always felt like you you get like two or three takes and if you don't get it by those three then it just wasn't meant mm-hmm. to be yeah because i'm telling you it's like clockwork it's always the fourth take <laughs> always the fourth take we do three takes, and they were like, oh, that's good, that's good. I was like, let's do the fourth take. I know I'm going to like the fourth take better. They do the fourth take, and it's fucking perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Ain't got to worry about punching in or nothing. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah I'm, I love being a studio, and, um, you know, I, I can, you know, do that all day long. I could be three making music and writing all day long. But performance, because performance is, you know, there there is a uh, a certain threshold, right? Like, we've done a three, 
four-hour show before. Oh, wow. And to me, after 90 minutes is the cutoff. I, I, I can get down with that. Yeah, then yeah, then then the rest is just it's just background music. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, I got two more things. One, okay. your newest release is No Retreat Volume One. That came uh-huh. out uh last year. You uh wanna elaborate a little bit on it? Tell people like the place that it came from, uh, stuff like that. Well, no retreat. I'm a big believer of um, think and grow rich uh, and the laws of attraction and stuff like that. And in the laws of attraction, it talks about there's this um, this warrior, what this, this these troops of warriors, oh. and they're about to fight a um, they're, they're about to fight you know and be outnumbered right by this um, this other clan. Okay. Right? So, so they have to get their ships and go to this land to go fight them. So then they all got off the ship, right? And mm-hmm. then the commander was like, now burn the ship. And it was like, what? So they went and they burned the ship. It's like, now you have no choice. You either win or perish. You have to allow yourself no retreat. Oh wow! So you either so that that's what no retreat. The mindset of that we have to do this or we have to do this. There's not no there's no plan B. I hate plan Bs. You know, only time I want to see a plan B is if something happens between me and a girl. Yeah, then I will gladly do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the only time I want to see Plan B. But now, other than that, yeah. <laughs> now, see, I can, I can definitely get behind that because I've always had the, you know, I've always had that kind of philosophy too. Because if you go in there with a Plan B, you you have always, the intentions of failing. You always, yeah, you always do Plan B. Yep. Yeah, if, if you go in there with a backup plan, that means that your first plan, you have the intention of failing it, and. Mm-hmm. Failure is not an option. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that that's what that album is about, and it kind of and culminates all of our um, what we've done for like the past couple of years to get to that point. You know, because like Heartbreaker came out way before then, and uh, we actually had um, some of the songs that are on. Um, on that one was on a other EP called Danger, okay. and you know we don't perform that song no more. So we took those songs from that, we redid them, redid them how we've been performing them, and you know polished them up a little bit. And here you go. And then you know that was the beginning. And then um, the idea was to make a volume two, you know, and stuff like that. But um, you know, COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the big one right there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're just taking a little detour and, you know, we'll come back to that. And, um, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, but th- those songs, um, and I think we did a, a, 
uh, volume 1.5, but you can only get that one if you came to a show. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, because those had other songs on it that that we also released, but we didn't want to put out there to the public just yet because once you release something, it's released. Exactly. You know, so... Um, and again, you gotta have that hook <laughs> <laughs> right that, now. That, my, that my favorite hook. jam is eventually. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. I, cool. I heard I, that, that was the first song I heard and I was like, yeah, I, I dig this. I really, really like this <laughs> song. <laughs> All right. So I guess to kind of wrap this thing up, uh, what mm-hmm. I, I don't have a question, but what I do have mm-hmm. here is your chance to plug yourself. Tell people okay. where they can find you on social medias or, you know, wherever. What's next for down north? What's next for you? This is your uh-huh. chance to tell the masses. Well, I keep it real simple. Just Google down north. You know, down north band. Or down north music. Or down north, you know, we're just we're easy to find. Just Google down north. And... I think our site is downnorthband.com, Facebook forward slash downnorthband, Instagram at downnorthband, and uh, we're on TikTok at downnorthband, but I don't know what's on that no more. <laughs> I think I just put random videos in there. So if you want to go to that, just have to add your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, this was an absolute pleasure. I haven't laughed this much during an interview like mm-hmm. ever. I've really... uh. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. This was awesome. We appreciate it, brother. All right. Well, everybody, this is Anthony Briscoe. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, it was an absolute pleasure. I had a blast. Before he left, he wanted to part ways with their song, To Hell With Love. But I guess to kind of lead this one out here, I'm going to let him tell you himself. This is Anthony Briscoe, and you're listening to rage against the mainstream and just go ahead and listen to down north song yeah you're gonna dig it